and welcome back to Radio Brews News. Some listen because they're responsible, others just love the taste. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, co-host and all-round good guy, Peter Prof Mitchum. Peter, welcome to... Oh, Peter, there's a very full... Peter Mitchum, welcome to Radio Brews News. Thanks for having me, mate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like the um, I like the, uh, the the taste. That's that's an interesting concept because I always thought of us as a flavour rather than a taste. I don't actually know what the well it is. was. There's a, probably uh, a technical difference between a taste and a flavour, but I figure that uh, there, there is taste. My understanding is taste is what goes across your palate. Flavour brings in the other senses. Right. Well, I think yeah. So because you know so. So, so flavor, like th- th- that's why you drink beer from a glass because flavor isn't just what's over your, your palate; it's what you smell that's as right. well. There you go. I Lesson think... for the listeners already. We, we're not even a minute in. Mate. <laughs> and how, how are you, Prof? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, busy week, uh, which is good. But it's it's more a um, a lot of writing, busy, but also a lot of uh, you know family stuff busy. Which when you're a beer writer. Um, Obviously, you have other. You can't just put everything on hold just to write beer because you, um, or you'd go broke or die trying. Um, if you relied totally on it, um, it's a great industry to be in, but it doesn't necessarily, um, you know, result in huge wadges of cash being delivered to your door for doing nothing um, much. Yes, uh, particularly when you're not courting the uh, the advertising dollars. That's right. It, then look, please, all those potential advertisers, stop hassling us to give us money, okay? We're, we're just... Oh, that, that's, a, <laughs> that, that's a little bit harsh, Prof. You know, we, we've, we've got some uh, very, very generous uh, sponsors. Um, I, I guess, uh, yeah, well, look, without boring lessons too much, we, we do have a, uh, a problem in that we don't... Uh, we, we want to say what we want to say and have people sponsor us to say that um, rather than say what our sponsors want us to say. People, you know, sponsors pay for uh, space on our masthead. They don't pay for space in our um, opinions. Um, but, and that, that makes it a bit hard. Well, and a, a good, actually a good uh, a, analogy of that is, you know, we'd uh, had some interest from Casella wanting to advertise on the site. Yep. Um, and it was, a, it was a very hard one because, you know, Casella, uh, how should we say, they're, they're not exactly pushing back the flavour boundaries um, of no, no, no. Beer. No. And, uh, and not, there's, not that there's anything wrong with that. And Casella, of course, we're talking about well, Arvo, not, not Arvo beer at the moment. Um, Arvo beer, yep. Uh, and who have, who don't realise who have been in, in in the news this week? Um, yeah, look, and as I said in the article last week, uh, you know, absolutely nothing wrong with the beer at all, um, except that it's rather uninteresting. Um, which not not that there's a problem, but I'm pretty sure that. You know, as beer writers, Pete, you know, you, you and I want to talk about things other than the advertising behind a beer. You know, talk about its flavour and its complexity. And uh, when a beer doesn't have much of that, it really just has its marketing. And I guess advertisers don't, don't want to have that pointed out. So anyway, uh, we, we might yet hear back from Casella about advertising on Australian Brews News after uh, we, we posted that. But um. We'll wait and see. But, Prof, what, what, what did you make of the news that uh, Casella have uh, gone into partnership or announced that they intend a partnership um, at the end of next year with uh, Coca-Cola Amadil? Well, just on that, and, cause I, and, and to, I guess, qualify or clarify it, it's intended, is that because Coca-Cola Amadil is bound by an agreement that they made when they moved out of the beer business 
a little while ago that they wouldn't get back in before December 16. So has it been announced that it's coming up just, just well, to, they, they were in partnership to cover those bases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, CCA was in partnership with SAB yes. Miller um, and they own the Blue Tongue Brewery and then they built their big brewery and they were distributing a, a number of beers for, uh, under the Pacific Beverages brand. Um, Brewers Bright was, I think, the first beer that they launched together and then they had the uh, um, Blue Tongue brands. Um, but then when SAB Miller bought out Foster's, um, there was a clause in their joint venture agreement or their partnership agreement that uh, SAB Miller would be able to buy out the brewing assets from CCA. Um, and as part of that, you know, CCA wasn't uh, able to brew in, uh, brew or sell in Australia um, until two years. And I think that two years expires next 16th December. Of December, yeah. But in the, it, next, next year. 16th of December. But in the meantime, um, Coca-Cola bought the Fiji Brewery, for example, and... Um, and also the the Australian soft drink um, assets uh, that, that Foster's had. So yeah, there was just a splitting of the businesses. But ever since that happened, uh, Coca Cola has indicated that they want to get back into beer as soon as they possibly can. Um, and there's been lots of rumours about about you know where they were looking um, to buy. And that uh, they announced last week that they'd entered into a partnership with the only very recently opened uh, Casella. Um, brewery and it's a forty-five million dollars. I think was the figure that was used. So uh, um, that, that's the recap. But what, what did you think of the the, the news? Well, I couldn't help thinking that it, 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 I guess, sounded just a little bit prearranged. It, it just seems a, a, a very lucky series of coincidences to to be less than that. I don't know. Um, I think it's great because I, I must admit I did look at when we visited uh, Casella, and we were lucky enough to uh, compliments of, of Casella and. Uh, you know, Arbo, uh, were able to go up and tour the the very brand spanking shiny new facility up there just outside of Griffith. And I couldn't help thinking, gee, this is just such a magnificent resource. It just seems a shame that if they're only going to brew, at that point they were brewing, you know, the, the two um, people's choice lagers with the intention of the people's favourite being brewed so that it would just to become one, I just thought, geez, that's a lot of beer that you've, you've got a, a lot of capacity to make a lot more, and you're only going to make one beer. It seemed uh, doubtful to me that you could you could make a go of that uh, in a in a timely way, and John Casella doesn't strike me as the sort of bloke who would sit back and say, oh, we're happy to plod along and lose a lot of money and until something comes good. Well, they've spent a lot of money setting up the brewery. Uh, that was very clear. Um, and I think he, he didn't, without actually putting a figure on it, he said that they'd spent a lot more than they initially thought. And, uh, and, and I mean, that was pretty much what I, I, I echoed, what, what you thought. They've spent a lot of money. There's some very nice people. Um, but I just wondered about the wisdom of where they pitched the market at. You know, they're, they're going into a market that's been dominated by two big players um, for, for a long time. And you know, at least when uh, you know, Blue Tongue launched, they, they, they did make beers that were regarded as being a premium and you know, the, 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 the Blue Tongue premium Pilsner just had that little bit more flavour than the mainstream variations. Um, Arvo seems to have taken that you know, half step back from the... Mainstream. It was a step up from a beer like Corona or Great Northern yeah, um, yeah. or Summer Bright Lager, but it's a step back from the mainstream lagers. It's got a little bit of hop character if you really go looking on the aroma through some uh, very gentle aroma hops. 
Um, but I mean, I remember when Chuck Hahn uh, spoke to me about when he first launched his Hahn Brewery back in the 80s. Um, you know, he didn't want to criticise the mainstream beers, but he said, look, I just thought you could put something a little bit more interesting. And, you know, that was one of the things that distinguished his Hahn premium lager back in those days. It just had a little bit of hop character, a little bit of uh, interest that the mainstream lagers didn't have. This seems to be, you know, less interesting or less flavoursome than most of the mainstream premium beers, and yet they're pitching it at a premium market. Um, and there's nothing really about it to to, to sort of force its way into the uh, mainstream beer market. Um, nothing wrong with it, of course. A lot of people w- will enjoy the flavour, but it's just, you know, as much as we throw off about marketing, you know, marketing does get beer in hand, but once it gets beer in hand, what keeps it there? And I just didn't see a lot of any of that, either in the brand promise or what was in the bottle. Yeah, yeah. No, it summed up. So, summed up. But anyway, summed up we shall see. And uh, anyway... But yeah, if, if the good people from Arvo do want to uh, still advertise with us after after that, I mean, we did something bad about the beer, I guess. Anyway, we'll, we'll wait and see, Prof. Now, speaking of marketing and the importance of it, who have we got on the show today? Well, today's an interesting one, Matt, and it may surprise some of our viewers to learn that, I guess, we're going to, well, the source, perhaps, of, of what has been, has become, I won't say a saga, but, but certainly a... Um, uh, is it a Mills and Boone novel or is it a, I don't know, a series of penny dreadfuls? Uh, a complete outrage is the word that I'd like to use, Prof. A series of articles concerning uh, Crown Lager. And we're lucky enough to, um, and look, and, and props to him and thank you very much to him for, for because look, it, I guess while, while we do say that beer is a conversation and, and beer is a broad church, we do talk about all different sorts of beer. Uh, it is fair to say that I guess, you know, our, our allegiances or our, our, um, our palate certainly lean towards your more flavoursome, more craft beers rather than the mainstream. But certainly in terms of how we see you know, beer as a, as a product, we, we look at it as the whole industry, the whole community, the whole market. Hey, yeah. Prof, Prof, how about you tell us who we're speaking yeah, right. to? It's Vincent, um, <laughs> Vincent Rui. Um, and he's, he's, he's from Foster's or CUB. Or, no, they're currently not at breweries again now as you'll learn in the interview. Should we just bring him on and just get into it? And yes, we're welcomed by Vincent Rui, who's the General Manager uh, of Global and Craft Brands for Carlton United Breweries. Vincent, welcome to Radio Brews News. Thanks, guys. Much appreciate the opportunity. Matt, I should say, um, you know, it, 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 it's it's uh, very big of you to come on. You know, we haven't uh, held back um, of recent days, so I'm genuinely pleased to have you on. Um, but just there's been so much happening with CUB since the um, uh, SAB Miller takeover late last year that before we get into uh, anything else, uh, maybe you can update us. Uh, obviously, your title's changed. It used to be domestic and craft brands or premium and craft brands, and now you're global brands. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The joys of being part of a uh, global network, Matt. Um, yeah, the guys of uh, the SAB Miller took over the keys on of the business on the 16th of December last year, and it's been um, nothing but a really positive experience since. I've got to tell you, um, to have uh, brewers, people that are intrinsically um, driven by beer, back in the helm of our business is uh, refreshing. Um, I'm a um, you know, you know my history. I'm an I'm, a, I'm an old CUB guy. I started here in '98 for six years, left for a little while, and I've been back. And um, I see so many of the um, old values of CUB 
um, Evan and in SAB people and SAB culture that it's been really refreshing for us as a business to get back to our core, uh, get back to what's important, being the beer um, versus all the other distractions that have uh, sort of been in place for the for the last little while, at least the four or so years that I've been back. Well, but what, what does it exactly mean when you talk about CUB's um, you know, values and, C, and it, 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 we're talking about beer? I mean, I'd, it... it it's it's always very hard to define a, a brewing company. One of the things I've made um, mention of recently is, for example, you know, CUB is a very big brand building company. You know, uh, VB Pure Blonde, um, but you know there have been a lot of breweries bought and closed over that period. You know, Powers um, would have uh, occurred just before uh, you came on the scene. You know, so. I'm not, I'm not that old, Matt. Give me a break. No, no, exactly. You know, well, that, that was the early '90s. Um, you, you, you said you yeah. joined in '98, uh, so um, it wasn't too much before your oh, time. Right. But so, what is exactly does it mean when you talk about the old values of the brewery? I just, I, I distinctly remember joining in '98 and walking into a place that had so many people who felt like they led for the place if that makes any sense that the they were so proud to talk about where they worked and what they did um that it became it was infectious for a young person like me coming in into the walls i started the abbotsford brewery in the finlaw building and um in the sales function and and to be be surrounded by those people and talking about beer and talking about our brands and um you know be single-minded about that was really, really infectious for a young person like me. And for whatever happens to me in the future, um, I will always be indebted to CUB for for giving me that sense of um, focus and dedication to a to a category and a business. It was, I, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know if that explains it very well, but it was infectious. It was really, um, it was an amazing. It's an it's, it was an amazing place to be, and it and now it feels like. You know, on the other end of the scale, being part of sort of the leadership group, leading the business into the next chapter of its uh, existence, I get a chance to, you know, breed that that infectious behaviour again, that infectious culture again. Um, you know, with single-mindedness about what's in the bottle and and how we present that to consumers. Well, I guess the obvious question is what changed um, from from that early day, early period when you joined. Um, there was this culture. What was it that, that was changed? Uh-huh. I mean, the comparison can only be negative. Well-documented history of acquisition in different categories and merging of businesses and demerging of other businesses and, um, you know, focus. Um, that's that's what changed. We, we, we moved from our core, which was being a brewery, and into other things, which, you know, I'm, I've no doubt at the time made very logical sense. And, um, you know, I had the pleasure of being involved with the fortune of being involved with so many people um, that participated in that that part of our history, and they were fantastic people. So I know that at the time it made commercial sense to do what was done. Um, having been on both sides of it, because I sort of I was away for the middle of it, if you like, for the acquisition of South Corp and um, you know the, the merging of the businesses. I wasn't I wasn't in the country at that stage, but having been on both ends of it. Um, I'm so, so happy that I'm back working for a brewery again. And importantly, the SAB piece is really focused us on that, you know, focus us on being 
um, a brewery and being passionate about what's in our bottle as much as, you know, the packaging we make or the ads we make. So did it kind of get away from, uh, I guess, like you probably touched on it there. I, I was thinking, is it moving away from being a brewer, moving away from, from producing beer and putting a smile on people's faces by, you know, the whole raised in friendship and all that sort of that, that concept. And it yeah. moved away from that to more sort of it's, it's, it's business and it's, um, you know, pie charts and bar graphs and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Was that the basic change? No. Look, I think there's two parts to that question. I think the, the first part is I think absolutely being a multi-beverage business took away focus from being a brewer. Yep, and now we're back to being a brewer um, of beer and cider, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. I think the reality of the world from when I started in the workplace in 98 to now is the other part of your question, life's changed. You know, the commercial environment is different, um, significantly more pressure. Um, the tools by which you now, you know, work a business is different than what they were, and that's, that's life. Um, you know, I always make the analogy of my father, you know, not with me anymore, but the first time he bought a car in Australia, he had the choice of a Ford or a Holden, a Falcon or a Commodore. Um, <laughs> you, I know you have teenage daughters, Pete. I can imagine when the first car, when you buy them their first car because you're that sort of dad, um, you know, they have choice of, you know, 15 different brands and then 30 models under it. Life, life's changed. It's become more complex. Um, the ability to they find... Might, they might, she might... She might think she is. She's getting a, she's getting a Holden, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> Holden Commodore too. No, but, but <laughs> the analogy that I use is choice. Life's changed. Um, and therefore, um, do I begrudgingly sit here going, oh, shit, I've got to fill out all these forms and do all these presentations. Um, I used to get that done with a conversation over a bar. You can't. The world's changed. The yeah. important part is that you, you, you balance out both of those because we are in the hospitality business. We do deal with beer. We do deal with people that um, have customers who walk in their doors and buy things from them every day. And therefore, finding the right balance in that um, is, is you know, super important. I guess, you know, I listen to what you're saying. It, it, you know, it all sounds good and I can understand it, I guess. You know, and, and I know that I'm not the most popular bloke in uh, CUB at times. Oh, um, silly, mate. But... <laughs> but you know I'd, every one of the changes that you talked about was greeted with glowing media releases and everyone telling us how fantastic uh, it is and whenever we read the uh, annual reports it's everything's fantastic and you know sure people are drinking less beer but that's you know all of these things and you know it, it, it sounds like you, you want to say well we're so much better now without saying that the past was you know, there was any problems with the past, and uh, you know, I, I thought that the made from the um, raised in friendship uh, line uh, was fantastic last year. I, you know, I really celebrated. It really got back to the, the the best thing about beer. But it was one of the first things that was jettisoned uh, by SAB Miller when they came in. So, you know, there was obviously some sort of problem um, that, that was going on. Uh, you know, VB was dropping quite dramatically. There's a you know, uh, your iconic brands were dropping. Um, Something must have been going on to, to be driving that, and it wasn't just the, the, the changing pallets. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I think our corporate history over the last six or eight years is pretty well documented. Um, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm, I'd be giving you any new information about, you know, what went right and what went wrong over the last little while. I mean, that's, that's well and truly documented. Um, 
By who? <laughs> by <laughs> you know, I, well, I, I don't you know, mean to play it out. Play out the events. We we were uh, we we acquired wine businesses. We de- we demerged as a business, and then the beer business got sold, and the wine business is now an entity unto its own. It sort of mm-hmm. leads to a track map that down a track map that says that model was unsuccessful, and the consequences of that model had implications both culturally as well as on brands. Um, that's that's what it is. I'm, you know, and and I say again that it's very easy to look back and judge people and decisions and all the rest of it. You you got to believe that at the time, very very smart people made well considered decisions on what to do. The outcome of those might not have been what they wanted. Such is life. Um, but what, one of the things. I, I, sorry, you got you no, finished. No, but I, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't know if that answered the question or not, but I'm I'm surprised if you if you if you don't know our history um, in the last sort of five or six years as well as I do. Well, you know, that's the point I was making at the start of that question. Is you know, I'm I'm an observer. I make comments um, from time to time, and any any time I speak to you know informally to, to someone like yourself or you know somebody else in in the company I'm always told oh mate you you oversold that one or you're wrong about this or you're wrong about that and then suddenly uh, you know 12 months later oh well you know we had problems and things you know things didn't quite work out uh, the way we want and yeah, yeah at, at, at no point does anybody ever from the company um, name what the uh, problems were. But uh, look, I, I'll throw one at you that, that I noticed, um, and it, it's one that I've said in the past, is that um, you were talking about South Corp wine and the wines, is that I was just left with a very strong impression for a long time that the guys on the ground who are dealing with venues really didn't know beer itself. Um, you know, they, they moved the easiest brands. Um, you've got a fantastic craft um, brand that has almost been allowed to wither on the the vine because nobody internally seemed to be selling it. Um, it, it, it is that a fair comment? Yep, absolutely. I think I think one of one of the again publicly stated challenges of the business model was um, uh, an individual walking to a bottle shop having to sell wine and beer and I don't think it's to be honest I don't think it's just the beer category that sorry the beer brands that just lost I think the wine brand lost as well you know reality is such that um, whether it be the individual the systems or the processes the training behind the individual didn't give them either enough time or enough um, uh, information to be able to do justice to either adequately so yeah absolutely a fair comment well, I guess as general manager for craft brands, um, and I mean, Pete and I, <laughs> Pete and I have got thoughts about a lot of the uh, the other brands, but it's craft is where you know our real passion mm. is, um, and I've on the record as saying that I think that Matilda Bay, you know, if you're going to have a uh, a man on man match, Matilda Bay versus James Squire, I, I, I think that Matilda Bay would be holding the uh, blue ribbon at the end of the fight, mm. um, but you just don't seem to see it anywhere. Um, can you tell us anything about what the strategy is to, to get Matilda Bay's uh, beers out there? Yeah, I, I, I reckon that's unfair. I reckon that over the last three years, Matilda Bay has been in plus 25% growth as a as a, a, vol, a brewery um, led by the phenomenal success of Fat Yak. Um, if you take Fat Yak out of it, how strongly have the other brands grown? Um, uh, 
got IGP at the moment that we're at production capacity on. We've had some challenges on um, a couple of the others. Redback in WA in particular. Um, Big Helga didn't go to plan. We would have loved Big Helga to be um, a better result than it has been so far. But interestingly enough for that brand, every time we do a beer festival or a, um, a market um, in states, it's the first brand that gets drunk and the first brand that goes for the for the afternoon. So we believe the liquid's great. Um, but yeah, oh look, there's no doubt that Fayak has been the anchor to success and revitalised that brand both at a consumer level and internally. No doubt at all. And you know what? It, it's it's testament to individuals throughout corporate history. And I and I and I call out Jamie Fox in this because Jamie held the candle on Matilda Bay Brewery for so long. Um, and you know both of you guys have been down at Port Melbourne Brewery, Matilda Bay Port Mel- in Port Melbourne, and has have 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 seen the, his hard work come to fruition in the in the brewery bar. And that's just the start of the start of the plans for us on that. I, I fundamentally believe that, and thankfully the SAB Miller guys have, um, you know, been quite amazed at what we've set up there, and um, very, very supportive. Um, the other one that I think is actually um, been the bigger loser through all of all of the changes has probably been Cascade Brewery down in Tasmania, and again, that's well and truly front and square on the square on the radar for me front and centre on the radar for me to rebirth, if you like. I think it's it's just got such wonderful um, history and um, needs a relevant place in our in our beer culture. I heard some suggestions that they may even be bringing back the uh, seasonal beers. That I, I think uh, we might talk about that uh, another day, Matt. What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> don't, forget, don't forget, Vincent. We're uh, we're, we're talking in the future. Yeah, I think that might be too far in the future. No, but it's a really, really good point because when people say, um, and I think I might have had this discussion with you, Pete, down in Tasmania, actually down in Hobart at First Harvest. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I will stand up in front of anyone, any diehard craft person, and say and, and argue the point that Cascade is not a craft beer. It was the first to do a true green hop fresh beer um, single batch brew in first half of 12 years ago. 11 years ago, it did four seasons. A seasonal brew, you know, matched to the time of year that fundamentally changed both on tap and in pack season to season. It was well before its time. It actually just got lost. Everything else was caught up. Um, and unfortunately, that proposition's got lost in the mire of everything else that's been going on in the place. But I promise both of you, we'll bring it back and we'll bring it up. We'll bring it back with gusto. But I, uh, look, I, I'm on record as having said both of those things, and uh, you know, for for all of the, you know, stones I throw, I think I also, you know, am on the record of being a huge supporter of the uh, first harvest for exactly that reason. It was the the, the first hop beer, and it, it showed that when you know, uh, the, the brewery, the, the the company sets its mind to do something, it it, it does it terribly well um, and it was very far ahead of its uh, time yeah. and, and, um, and so it is exciting to hear it and therefore I'm going to list you as my number one supporter when I bring it back with gusto I promise yeah. oh mate I'm pretty sure if you search uh, Cascade First Harvest Brews News my um, pay in to it is one of the first hits that you'll find yeah, um, and interesting enough a bit about First Harvest and again it's a little known fact you know and it's our fault because we haven't talked about it um, the Galaxy Hop that is that is such a such a revelation for the hop industry in Australia yeah. Yeah. was first developed 
for Cascade, first first commercially brewed in Cascade first harvest um, in 2006 or 2007, I think. Um, and every year, um, you know, three brand new hops that are cultivated three years or thought about three years before the actual brew come into existence because of that idea. So there's a, there's a really, I think, fantastic category story in there that, um, you know, we want to hold true. And um, again, I'd, I'd say Cascade First Harvest, you'll see things next year from a format point of view that um, we're working towards that are very different than what we've done the last 12 years. Mate, that, that's very exciting. Just while, while I was uh, listening, I just did Google that. And uh, yeah, number three uh, Google result <laughs> is Cascade First Harvest launched on Brews News and it's uh, saying how fantastic it was. And more importantly... Uh, no, 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 but, but the, the, I, I wanted hey, to look at it. Can you wait in here? I made, you think yeah. I'm, I'm dishing on him? I'm not. Mate, mate no, no, I'm no, not, no. Have I already warned you? He's Dutch. No, I was just making that point. Hello to all our Dutch listeners out there too. We we do have some. We're not just big in Brazil. The point I was going to make is that the thing that I said about that was that it you know, there was some, and I'm not sure who was behind it, whether it was uh, your idea or the, the breweries or um, those uh, lovely ladies at uh, Liquid Ideas. Mm. Um, but having the Brilla Bay oysters, the Bruni Island cheese, mm. their local bakery, the fruit farm, and having them sharing the billing, I mean, look, I, I'd never make a career in marketing because I don't think about brands, but I, I, to me it showed how, fan, you know, how confident you were in the brand that you could stack you, you put your beer beside some of Tasmania's mm. iconic brands mm. and, you know, uh, you know, reflect glory on them as well as receive the, 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 the glory from the comparison. Mm. And uh, I, I would genuinely like to see uh, more of your brands uh, w- with that sort of backing. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, watch this space for Cascade. I'm, I'm, as I said, it's front and centre in in my thought process and, and, and work schedule and um, I'm... I feel like, you know, again, I go back to this infectious nature of this business and this category that, you know, I feel like it's a responsibility to get it right. I just don't, I can't, I can't get in my head that something that has such wonderful assets, um, we can't get right. So we will get it right. But, uh, and uh, again, I mean, just to bring it back to Matilda Bay, uh, recently we've, uh, Brisbane, uh, has been very lucky to have the Redback Pale, which Pete and I uh, got to try for the very first time when you had us uh, to the brewery in January. The pig and whistle. And Pete and I both... Yeah, and, and you know, I wouldn't have known about it except I was doing tastings there, and I, I'm pretty sure that I've tweeted more about Redback Pale being on tap than uh, CUB has. My, fav- um, my, telling my favourite Matilda Bay beer by, by a stretch. I love it. It is, but... You know, no one knows it, it when it's up here. You know, certainly Pig and Whistle should be uh, getting out doing it. But uh, you know, I'm it, even more critical of most hoteliers than uh, uh, I am of <laughs> the, the, the brewers sometimes. Yeah. But you know, you, you just don't hear about these fantastic things that Matilda Bay is doing. Yeah. Or if it is, it seems to be a little bit ad hoc. You know, is is the um, well, we're being confronted with a huge James Squire campaign at the moment. Are we going to see something similar from uh, Matilda Bay? Um. Not necessarily an advertising campaign. Yeah, I think we're working. We're working. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a big couple of years for Matilda Bay, Matt. I mean, we have gone from 
being largely irrelevant in 2008 to CUB to having one of the fastest growing brands in the country in Fat Yak, we have um, managed to convince a very big business in a period of significant, significant change to invest an enormous amount of money in a consumer-facing brewery in Port Melbourne um, and also in that being able to um, experiment with things like Redback Pale on tap up in Queensland, not the easiest beer to brew or transport, by the way. Um, I, oh, exactly, IGP, that's why we're IGP, um, we are now at production capacity on IGP because um, it's cracking along so well. Um, so I, I, I don't... I don't measure the activity on Matilda Bay by the number of billboards I got up. I measure it on the transformation of that business over the last couple of years. And 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 I'm you know hand on my heart, it, it's regained its place and focus in a business that you know largely thought it was pretty much dead on the vine, as in your words, um, less than sort of three and a half, four years ago. That's that's for me. That's not things don't happen overnight. You know that. Um, it's a significant yep. turnaround of a of Australia's first craft beer brewery. I'm really surprised to hear that it was nearly dead on the vine uh, three and a half, four years ago. Just as the craft beer, you know, I, I, I don't call it a revolution, but the craft beer change that's coming on was really just starting to gain momentum. Yeah, but but the, uh, the, the, the the business was letting it wither. No, no, but, but Matt, contextually, think about what was going on within these walls back then. It was smack in the middle of integration of a significant acquisition in a different category. Yeah, so mm-hmm. everything everything has its context and I I I think um you know, I think what's been done has been remarkable and there's so many people to thank along the way that, you know, sort of have helped that that renaissance. The main thing is that it has survived. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Now, and the, and the SAB doing... focus means that it, it can now grow. We, I had, we had our global CEO in our Port Melbourne, Matilda Bay Port Melbourne Brewery um, last Wednesday night with the senior leadership team of CUB and for a guy who's been in the beer business around the world for, I don't know, 30 years, um, the glowing, glowing respect he had for what we had done, it was a... Um, you know, it was it was fantastic for for Jamie, for myself, for for Andy Gibson to to see and and gave us even more um, spirit to continue and do what we do. Is there any worry in the company that Fat Yak could be the uh, craft beer VB? You know, it was one in four VB was one in four beers in Australia and has uh, come down quite dramatically. Um, is there reliance on one brand within the brewery and not enough support of some of the other ones? Um, or, or is it that Fat Yak has just sort of exploded all on its own without being pushed by the brewery um, and it's a bit of a, you know, uh, you know a bit of a bolter? Um, I actually think, Pete, you, you've explained this to me better than I can explain it. Um, Fat Yak has been... Um, revolutionise the space in some respect because it's the beer, Pete, please, you know, um, fix my quote if it's wrong, but the way that you explained it to me was it's the beer that you can offer people that are drinking regular beers or, you know, sort of standard beers um, that isn't too too much of an affront for them and, it, and a great introduction into what great beer tastes like or what different beer tastes like. And I think that's been, in some respects, um, 
you know, driven its success, its intrinsics, its liquid has driven its success as much as any billboard we might have put up. Yeah, I don't... Was that a fair... Uh... Yeah, yeah, no, that's that, that's pretty much um, verbatim, I think, what, what Vincent and I... What, what I, See, I, do, about, I do listen, and... Pete, I promise. You do listen, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, good cop, remember? Um, but I think, so, <laughs> like, from a marketing point of view, I don't think we can discount the, the value of, of the name because, for me, yeah. uh, Bohemian Pilsner, Big Helga, um, Redback certainly do those do the same things i think that fat yak does i think possibly fat yak was a nice stepping stone into um the the shallow end if you like of the pool that became the whole hop driven apa ipa um kind kind of you know evolution whereas i think for me at a like doing tastings I'll, i'll nine times out of ten i'll use a uh, yeah, James Quay Golden Ale or a, a Matilda Bay Big Helga, uh, a Stone and Wood Pale Lager, something like that, as the first beer to just yeah. say to people, here's something that's kind of going to make you know wrap you in a bit of a, a a comforting embrace and say it's okay, you know what's going on here. This is this here's something nice and familiar, and yet it's still a step away from oh, it doesn't have that. Uh, and look, a lot of people refer to you know they like that that nice um, you know mouthful of galvanised nails. Um, that you get with, you know, that like a nice, tight, astringent bitterness that you can get from, say, a, a brewery fresh Carlton draft or a, or a you know, a two You're not painting like a picture for me here, Pete. But no, you know, but, uh, nails. You know, you know, I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's that, it's that, that, that aftertaste, that finish of that, of the, the tingly kind of bitterness. So it's, it's different. The, the, the craft beer side of things is, is, is I guess, different to that. Um, but I would certainly argue, yeah, that, that um, Bow Pills or um, Big Helga. Would certainly fit into the same category, but they don't have the fat yak um, name. Yeah, and I probably reckon from a marketing so point I of view. I reckon that. Sorry, I probably reckon from a marketing point of view, we, we haven't we haven't um, done the best job of telling consumers that fat yak is from Matilda Bay, and Matilda Bay makes some great other beers, and that's one of the things that we have coming up in the lead up to summer a, a significant change in our livery and. Um, not because it's a brand manager's right to change the packaging every 12 months, like most people think, but because there's a purpose at a shopping level in a store um, and in a bar, in a front bar, to, to actually communicate that this, you know, wonderful brewery started in, you know, 1983 over in WA, the first first craft brewery um, ha- makes all these wonderful beers, and I and I think the the stuff that we've got coming out um, is going to help that. It really is. It's gonna. It's gonna tell people that this, you know, beer they love so much called Fat Yak comes from Matilda Bay, and Matilda Bay makes these other things as well. We, we might need to check the history on that claim, but uh... <laughs> I was gonna say. I was gonna say eighty four. Eighty four. No, I think you're right. No, 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 no. You're right. It's eighty four. Eighty three or eighty four. No, yeah. but but even as the first craft brewery, yeah, uh, I I know somebody. You know, I've I've seen it at the first uh, brewery that was open since the war and. Uh, Few other things, so we might have to get well, our historian. Can you do that? Can you do that pretty quickly? Because I'm about to print a bunch of packaging with that on it. So mate, <laughs> if, if you could clear that up for me, that'd be great. Well, we, we actually published something recently. You, 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 you don't read too closely, uh, obviously. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll dig it out for you. But, uh, just, but I mean, not... just on that, uh, and uh, there does seem to be a lot um, in the name. But you know, I, I don't throw. I mean, I'm. I don't know whether anyone else agrees with this, but I don't just sort of uh, throw off um, at breweries for no reason. You know, I sort of watch very uh, uh, 
uh, closely. I don't know how astutely it is, but um, in, in terms of supporting the brand, uh, a, a comment that I've made on this podcast and uh, in writing before is I, I got invited to the um, CUB Christmas party last year, and this probably guarantees I'll never be invited again. Yeah, I didn't but, get invited. Um, was that? <laughs> it was in Brisbane. No, oh, it, was, right. it was in Brisbane. Okay. Um, and, you know, uh, there were all of the lifestyle journalists, there were you know, business journalists, but it was a, a room that was predominantly women. It was at one of the new uh, you know, upmarket restaurants on, on the river. Um, you know, it was a beautiful occasion, really good people, and most of the women drank wine. Um, the, the food menu had the wines listed. The beers that were offered, there was a cider, there was uh, the Great Northern, and there was Fat Yak, and that was it. And it was a four-course lunch that was served, um, and every course would have gone superbly with either a um, Cascade beer or a Matilda Bay beer. And they just sort of seemed to be surprised when I suggested uh, in, to, to the people at my table who were some CUB people that perhaps this would have been... with. So many women drinking wine. Perhaps this was the uh, uh, occasion to introduce them to beer and food matching and uh, some of the fantastic wine-like beers. And uh, it, it just seemed that even at, at an inside level, there wasn't much support for for craft beer. Yeah, I don't know. I, wasn't I, I know you can't all, comment uh, on that itself, I'll, but I'll but take it up with the appropriate uh, powers. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to get anyone into trouble. But I mean, that 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 was to me the most concrete example of things that I've seen. You know at a broader level but you know yeah. what, what you're saying um, is that well, you the only, the only example I'll give you is if you you know we, we have proudly a, a bar at our head office here and every every state office um, around the country and um, since SAB has been um, part of CB business the we only have beer in the bar um, we have a fantastic selection of beer in the bar. The serving standards in our own venue have risen to be first class and, you know, hence the focus, you know, just as an example of coming back to what we do and that's, you know, brew great beer. Well, maybe I might get invited to, <laughs> to one of the management offices one day. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, I was going to say, Matt, yeah, the great irony of that might be that uh, they will actually at next year's party have lots and lots of beautiful craft beer matched to the things that you won't be invited. And I won't be invited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to get a Guernsey too this time. Uh, such, such is my life. Um, mate, we, we, we might roll around uh, to, to Crown. Yep. Some exciting news. Crown Lager. That, uh, I believe that we might be the first... Crown Lager, sorry. Uh, Crown Lager. I think we might be the first to, to break this. Um, Crown Lager's coming out in a new format. Yeah, we... Um... That's right, Matt. We're we're um, super super excited to um, be delivering Crown Lager in draft format, so over the bar on tap. Um, we have given it a go, I think, in 2006 around Commonwealth Games time, if if uh, if that part of the history is correct. Um, previously, but I'm, we've been working hard for about eight months to um, deliver. Uh, what we think is going to be a really amazing premium beer drinking experience. I guess the first thing about that is one of the things that has always been distinctive about Crown is the bottle, um, the, the packaging, and even when you uh, got it into the, uh, and I'm not sure what the aluminium bottles are called, but the aluminium bottle. Um, They're called aluminium bottles. Okay. I, I thought somebody told me that that was 
laughed when I called them that. But anyway, um, the, but the aluminium bottles uh, were shaped to that, which must have been an expensive exercise. Yeah. How are you going to capture that same distinctiveness um, in, in a glass environment in, 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 a, in a pub? Yeah, so it's a great point. Um, and, you know, because the, the, the glass bottle, the Crown Lager bottle is absolutely synonymous with their brand. In fact, um, it's one of only two bottles uh, trademarked in, in Australia, one being the Coke bottle, you know, the, the curved cake uh, Coke bottle and the second one being uh, the Crown Lager bottle. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It was a, it's a challenge. And, and the way that we approached, so there's this couple of thoughts. Um, that we had when we thought about it in that respect. Equally, um, as much as the Crown Lager bottle is synonymous with Crown Lager, so much of our our history, our visual history, our advertising in both print and, and um, TV has featured our glass. And so it, it gave us a, a significant level of comfort that served in the right glass, glass in the right way, um, would equally deliver uh, Crown Lager in the way that we wanted it delivered. Um, and I, I think the really important part here is um, that, I, that I want to land with both of you guys. This isn't taking uh, a brand that is a fantastic beer brand, slapping it on a, in a keg, sending out a couple of coasters and serving it in any particular glass that might come over the bar. There has been eight months of work here that has involved um, the design of a flow metered tap to fit on standard fonts to deliver um, the beer at a slower rate out of the tap, therefore, you know, really delivering um, a, a structure of a of a foam or a head that we think is right for a premium beer. Um, it's involved um, a bes the development of a bespoke font for Crown Lager. Um, is that along the lines of the Peroni font, for example? A standalone, yeah, standalone. Yeah, correct, yeah. a standalone font. Um, it's gone. Um, all the way in development of you know testing of nucleated versus non-nucleated glassware in terms of beer quality it's gone all the way to uh, the design of and this is in all seriousness um, a particular type of uh, bottle brush right because of the shape of the glass um, the st a standard bottle brush sort of didn't clean it to the way we wanted it so as part of the package that a venue receives they get a particular bottle brush for Crown Lager glassware. They equally get a, a tray that fits Crown Lager glassware in the dishwasher for them, you know, specifically made uh, for Crown Lager glassware. So, um, just on that, Vincent, just for those who perhaps may not be aware, um, to describe the Crown Glass, it's kind of like an inverted wedge, like it's a, a long, a, a slender. Put a bottle upside down, Matt, and you got a glass, and you got a Crown Lager glass. Yep. Ah, there we go. Yeah, and I reckon if, and I reckon if um, a Crown Lager drinker wouldn't know what a Crown Lager glass looked like, then he shouldn't call himself a Crown Lager drinker. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I, you know, I, I say that you know flippantly, but it, 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 you know, it's been a equal part of our history in some respects. That 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 conical glass, that that glass, that glass shape, um, as much as our bottle has been, and the reality is, um, we're now taking the opportunity to provide a real provocative ritual in the on-premise. We want people to hold and be proud of what they're holding in the on-premise uh, in, in draft format because it's the best way to drink beer um, as much as they do when they hold a bottle. And I, and I, again, will tell you the lengths and detail that have gone into delivering the package, not the keg, 
We're not delivering a keg. We're delivering a solution, an on-premise solution uh, for Crown Lager in the on-premise that, like I said, goes all the way from tapware to font to glass to coaster to uh, cleaning brush to bloody tray to clean the glasses in the dishwasher to a uh, draft beer operations specialist installing the bespoke font and our business development executives training the staff in the venue. So what's the thinking behind going uh, in, in, into draft? Um, you know, I mean, it must be a big decision for a, for a brand. You, you, you've done line extensions uh, yeah. with the gold and the Pilsner, which uh, even though you've got the Crown Company website that talks about the family of beers and are no longer part of it, um, it, it, it must be a big decision to, to extend such an iconic brand. Yeah, I don't know whether it's an extension, in, in the form that you've just spoken about, or you know, for us, it's it's, it's about providing um, the best drinking solution in in the right environments, if you like, in the way that we think adds value to for consumer, for public, and um, as well as for brand. Um, there, there's no there's no doubt in our heads that you know draft beer is such a fantastic way to experience beer, to drink through. The froth, drink through the head, that's the way beer should be drunk. Have your nose, have your snout in the glass, that's the way beer should be drunk. Um, and importantly, to deliver that consistent quality experience has, has been really important and, and, and absolutely true to Crown Lager brand. So yeah, it, it's taken us a while to get through the thinking and get through the development phase of it and and equally, you know, go through the planning process for the, for the type of um, places where we want this served. And the expectations we have of the of the venue operators that are taking Australia's finest beer. If it's such a natural way of doing it, though, why has it taken so long to to come out on tap? Um, well, as I said to you, we we had a crack at it in two thousand and six, and I you know history suggests that we might have stuffed it up. Um, I think we've had some incredible learning from the SAB Miller uh, portfolio. I, I think Peroni is a is a wonderful example of how to um, drive category standards, yeah, not just brand standards, category standards in terms of the service of beer, the requirement of glassware, the presentation of beer, the minimum head requirements, and we've taken all those learnings into Crown. So um, really driving a discipline. And when you're when you are a brewer and you're focused on beer, you're actually able to do that. Maybe in uh, past uh, lives, maybe that focus wasn't there. And when will the uh, punters see it in their local? Uh, they have a few very exclusive punters, Pete, I'll tell you, because there won't be too many locals. Um, no, um, it'll be <laughs> released... Um, it's not going to be reserved for diplomats and ambassadors, by any chance, Just the first place, mate. That's that's the first place we're going, Matt. Up, up well, in the lodge. The first, first, first tap's up in the lodge. The first pot. Yeah, and the first <laughs> pot's going to be served to the Queen. We'll, we'll get there in a second. Sorry, I interrupted. Oh, gosh. Um... So sorry. So when, when track of thought? So when, yeah, uh, when can we first, say it? When are we going to say it? Uh, sort of middle of September. Okay. Yeah. So the you know the guys are working really hard to um, secure the right venues and um, yeah, it's great. I'm 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 been really refreshed by the support uh, right through the business of you know when when you're a brand guy and and you work with the brewers and. Um, you get to the pointy end, so the guys who actually go after, go and engage the customer and sell this thing in, and and what you do is you present them a package with all these caveats. So mate, yeah, you can sell this in 
but you've got to have this glassware. And if it's not certain that's glassware and one of our guys walk in and it isn't, then we take the tap off. If it's not served on his coaster or if it's not done in his font or if it's not done in his venue, um, there's a whole other caveat that comes with the package. And the way that the sales guys have embraced that um, because they see the... They see that it's the right behaviour for category. They see that it's the right thing to do for beer, um, as well as Crown Lager, to improve the standards of, of how we present um, beer to a consumer. Um, has been wonderful. It's been refreshing. Like it, refreshing in terms of, um, you know, I think that would have been a harder sell two years ago. Much harder sell. Yeah. Any chance that the uh, the Crown will be like a double-headed font and we'll have like Crown Lager or Crown Ambassador Reserve? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no we uh, we have no plans that ambassador being on uh, on draft feet. Way too delicate a beer, mate. It's got to sit in the keg for three years. Yeah, I'll just go cross that off my list of questions to ask. There we go. Yep, Matt, back to you. Well, I, I pulled the ring pull off. Um, the, the, the crown history yep. now. Uh, it's obviously um, all out there on, on, on Brews News, but there are a couple of key elements that have uh, crept into the Crown marketing over the last uh, uh, four or five years. Um, one, that the beer was first brewed in 1919. Yep. Um, secondly, that it was uh, commissioned by, the, by someone, um, and I have seen it commissioned for the Diplomatic Corps, um, that it was not available to the members of the community, and then it was... Uh, released to the public in 1954 to coincide with the Queen. Um, visiting Australia. Visiting, uh, yeah, visiting Australia. Yeah. Um, when I last spoke to you, you, you said that uh, you had a crack team down in the archives going through this. Can, can you up, up, update us on, on where that is? Roland Caldor is a crack team. He's a wonderful guy. Um, amazing, <laughs> amazing passion for our, for our brand. And yes, he's been... So who's that? A guy called Roland Caldor. Okay, um, and and who's he? Works for us, um, historian about um, uh, just you know he's been doing so much of the work for us um, in getting to the to the facts, if you like. Um, but you know the best part, as we spoke when I rang you the first time, and I think you've published Matt. Um, you know, I, I, it's it's a good like you know you can frame this as as a bad thing. In my head, it's a good thing because arguably you've given me five years of history that I didn't know I had. Um, well, possibly because I've also, you know, there, there, there seems to be signs that it, it predated the nineteen fourteen date that I found. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, of... at the moment, fourteen is um, is uh, the, the the earliest we have record of or can find at this stage. You know, obviously everything's still a work in progress, but um, you know we've found things about. Australians at war with Germany and the, the removal of certain brands that used to be made and the promotion of drinking Australian beer during that you know time of war and propaganda. So you know it, it's stuff that we didn't know and, and we've um, we've you know knee deep in understanding. Um, the other part in terms of um, its role in embassies and diplomats, both locally and internationally, um, we've been able to find sales records. You know, significant sales records of shipments of Crown Lager to overseas embassies, and um, which is you know interesting. I don't think I think the exclusively brewed for um, isn't right um, at this stage. Nothing says to me that it is, uh, or nothing that we've found so far says that it is. Um, but 
again, work in progress, but equally, I, I'm more than comfortable that um, of any beer that was leaving Australian shores um, being sent in particular places. We have sales records in, you know, big, wonderful leather-bound books um, to embassies around the world. Um, and the third piece uh, in terms of the availability of Crown Lager in 54, in February 54, the bottle, as you know it today, was um, introduced in Australia as a commemorative bottle for uh, the visit of Queen Elizabeth after her coronation in 52. Um, and that, that's the bottle, that's the base of the bottle that, you, that we know today. Um, mm -hmm. And again, clearly, you, you see a sales line that, um, you know, trudges along at not too many cases and then has significant spike in 54 um, with the launch of that commemorative bottle for, for her arrival. Okay, so, I mean, it, it, essentially, of the, of the key elements of what has been a very important part of the Crown uh, marketing plank over the last four or five years, um, we've essentially moved away substantially uh, for, from all of that? Oh, no, I don't, I'm not sure what I just said was a substantial move away. I think what I've well, just said Well, it's not is, exclusive. No, no. So, well, hold on, hold on. What, and, I mean, I don't want to be no, no, I, but pugnacious about you. this. But, I, I, I yeah. think what I've just said to you is oh, there are pieces that we've found new information of. There's pieces that we've found um, clarification of, you know, like absolutely... Um, if the exclusivity for embassies and diplomats, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't think at this point in time that's correct. Um, but equally, um, I, I do feel confident that we're exporting good volume of Crown Lager to, to embassies and, and, um, and uh, overseas you know, very, very early on in our history. Yeah, but there's still a, a fairly substantial difference yep. between selling it into embassies and the marketing line, which is that it was brewed exclusively, that it was commissioned uh, by the diplomatic corps yep. um, and sold exclusively and not available to the public, which is, you know, the the, the central elements of the, the beer is its exclusivity, not the fact that it was drunk. I mean, it's, it's drunk by sports teams. You always see it at Parliament House launches. Yep. Um but there is it's that's a vastly different proposition yeah, yeah. from being brewed exclusively, being commissioned and brewed exclusively for the diplomatic. Corps. Absolutely, Matt. And and what I'm what I'm saying, same thing I said to you last time we spoke about it. You know, when we go through this process and we get to the end of it, if it requires us to, you know, refashion our language around those things, then you know we will, um, because you know as we've as we've moved through and you know understood some stuff and or, or backed up some things that we've said and found out new things about other things we've said then yeah you know as i said to you before it's gonna it's gonna require a bit of a bit of change in our in the way that we we present do, do i think that um i think it adds to to our history like five, you you've given us five years of stuff we didn't know about and i, I just think that's a wonderful thing for brand and to get under underneath that um hopefully gives us a whole heap of different areas to explore when, when you yeah, take on, I'll go. I was going to say, well, um, I mean, Andrew Bailey, who you might know, who has published a book on the Carlton Brewery, um, beautiful coffee table book called The Brewery. Yeah. Um, Jack um, Posted a, yep, exactly. He posted a comment uh, 
to I think the third in the series of Crown Lager things, um, saying that I, I'm still researching the Crown brand. Crown Lager was definitely devised before 1913 under the style finest export Crown Lager, um, and sort of expands on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and says that the a beer called Foster's Topaz Lagers, Pilsner was sported, uh, Crown trademark. Anyway, it, 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 the, the comments there. So, yeah. um, I mean, I, I, it'd be interesting to see whether um, what, what what the history is. Yeah. But uh, and Banners and I, you know, I know I've known Banners for fifteen years, and or Michael Bannerberg, sorry. And you know, I know that the guys have been in contact with him for, for equally for his you know views of the world on on this stuff because I don't know anyone in this country that has knowledge of um, the beer category, let alone our brands like you know Mike does. So um, again, you know, we're 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 knee deep in it and you know working out um, what's what's right and what what's not. But again, I, I you know I don't know whether you believe me or not, Matt, but. Again, '98. You walk into that place, and I think it was my—I think it was my second or third day. You know, admittedly, I'm an awestruck kid sitting next to Kenny Hunter at the time because I backed for Carlton. I felt like I needed to wear my duffel coat to to uh, to work every day. Um, won't make much sense to anyone out of Melbourne and WA, but for all those listeners that are, they'll know. Um, I think it was my third day that I got told the Crown Lager story, '98. And that was by someone who had been in the place for, you know, maybe 15 years themselves. So, as I said to you on the on the phone the other day, it's it would be remiss of me to wipe away um, so many, so much of what is held um, as fact. Whether it is or it isn't, we'll find out. But I'm definitely going to do that work, and we're definitely doing that work to to find that out because these are legends that have been passed down from people to people to people, and and maybe maybe uh, maybe marketers have romanced them too far along the way, and we need to write the record. Maybe not sure. Well, <laughs> it, it it was available to the public before 1954, and there's no record of it having been commissioned. Um, by the diplomatic corps because it goes back to 1914. So I think we can safely say that. But I'll, I'll leave it. I'll, I'll leave that for now. Right. But w- when did this language first start? Because I'm, you know, I've sort of been digging into it, and I can't find any reference to this uh, exalted history before about 2009. Um, and I'm looking at the Foster Sydney 2000 Olympic Games Foster's website, and uh, oh, yeah. Crown Lager is simply described as uh, Crown Lager is Australia's finest beer unrivaled as leader in the nation's premium beer, which is uh, um, still the language that's used. Crown Lager has a distinctive flavour and is brewed using only the finest ingredients. The lager has a creamy fruitiness followed by rich multi mid palate and a crisp, clean pride of ringwood finish. Um, and that seems to have been the language that was consistently used up until um, you know the, the, the late uh, 2000s. Um, you know, doesn't... But my understanding is that Crown spends you know, in excess of $5 million marketing um, it, it, itself each year. Shouldn't, shouldn't you dot the I's and cross the T's on, on something that's, that, that, that you, 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 you shout so loudly from your billboards? Um, and Yep, absolutely. And that's, you know, and um, arguably indebted for you to make sure we go back and do the right thing on that. I... I Matt, I you know I think we we covered it when we spoke on the phone and um, we, you know we, uh, it's 
it's something that we're working working feverishly to understand and make sure that if our language has been wrong or our facts have been wrong, we'll, we'll go and correct. Um, but equally, I, I want to make sure that's right, you know, because as I said, there are you know wonderful people that I've met in this organisation that have believed those things, and if if um, and I, I, I fundamentally don't believe they were lying to me because they're, they're too good of people. So, oh, I'm not saying that they were lying to you. I'm not saying that at any sorry. stage anyone's actively lying. Let me go. But... I know you're not. And therefore, yeah. if through the course of time the story has changed or um, moved or um, things have been added to it, um, you know, this is this is the time. This is the process by which we'll we'll nut those things out and you know right the wrongs. And what happens if you do, you know, you just change the language because you don't have to spend too long on Google. Trust me, I've spent a long time on Google over the last uh, few weeks. Um, You know... We might come to you with an an exclusive, Matt. How's that sound? (laughs) Well, no, I'm I'm, I'm just wondering, like, and again, you know, like I've got a particular way of thinking, but, you know, it's any way that you look on on the, the web, this story has been propagated. Um, and yeah. just we, 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 lopping I, off its head I now. I genuinely don't have a um, a plan. We, we're still in the phase of understanding, you know, 100% with confidence what we can and what we can't say. So I, I, sure. I'm, okay, yet, well, I'm yet down the I'm yet to get down to the end of the the funnel that says this is the way that we're going to now communicate it. Okay, well, I mean that, that, that's fair enough. You know, until you know what you know, you can't yeah. decide what you're going to do. But uh, right. Right, just the one other thing that I'll, I'll talk about. And I had a bit of a crack um, late last year with the uh, marketing campaign no. that seems to still be going. Really, the, the fifth ingredient. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, I, I've never, I, I've never actually got an, an, an official response from the company about it. Um, the the only time that anyone ever said, I sort of said, well, the fifth ingredient. What are the other? And malt, water, hops, and yeast. Um, you know, do you think when you say on your website that we only use the finest malt, water, hops, and yeast, thyme is a fifth ingredient, that that's a little bit, you know, disingenuous? You know what? The the, the key learning in that campaign for us has been um, that the that the average beer punter, okay, so maybe not the guys listening to this podcast because these guys, you know, your guys are, are beer aficionados, but the average punter, and I use that, I don't use that derogatory at all. No, I, no, I know I'm what you mean. Yep. Saying the general, the general man on the street that loves his beer. Um, the question that came back most often was, well, what's the sixth, seventh, and eighth? Um, they they yeah, actually, well, they actually um, hadn't clocked that, you know, four and foreign uh, foreign time all the time we take the brew so it, it you know it was a challenging it was a challenging idea on lots of fronts and um, really didn't um, the better expression of that that we've moved to Matt is lagged for longer right that that seems to have how long oh it's a that's part of the recipe, Matt. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know. You should, I'm sure you know. I'm not going to give well, you our, our well. You tell us how long. How long uh, Come on, Matt. You, you tell us how long Crown Ambassador spends in the expensive uh, French barrels. So, I mean, you, you're willing to share these things when it suits, but you know, it, that, that's a little bit like saying, you know, our, no, our, but, our car's got a 40 no, no, percent no, no, stronger no, no, engine, no, no. more powerful engine, just, but we won't tell you what it used to no, be. No. Just one is a recipe, right? One is a, one is a one is a. Well, you've dearly told me the recipe is malt, water, hops, and yeast. You know, yeah, <laughs> dearly held uh, a recipe for a beer. Um, the maturation time that you're talking about, or sort of, sorry, the the time that 
Um, we put beer in barrels for ambassador, the fermentation time in tanks, um, the percentage mix of blend of oak versus unoaked beer has changed almost for every vintage for ambassador. So they're, you know, I, I, I think they're different examples fundamentally. Oh, well, I don't know that they are. And I mean, if you're not willing to talk about how long it is, you know, is it something that you should be spruiking about? Oh, no, you know? what, I, what, I'm, what I'm really happy to tell you is that, or what I'm really comfortable to say, that we, we lager, crown lager longer than any other of our beers that we make. Any other? You sure oh, about that? Sorry, that's a good question. Oh. Uh, no, because that would be a good <laughs> ambassador, wouldn't it? No, it's definitely not ambassador. That's way longer. We, we're, how, I'm, how about I'm more Big than, Helga? I'm more than happy. Uh, CUB, not Matilda Bay. Darwin Stubby? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm Darwin Stubby. That, I know how long that stays in, but you can hear that since that. Well, yeah, does what? that come under? How long does Darwin Stubby stay, you reckon? Uh, between 31 oh, and 40 days. You know what? I don't know. So I, I genuinely don't know. Um, but I, I'm... You know, genuinely sitting here saying that Brewer, I can I can go out and say lagered for longer, um, and the Brewer lets me say it. Oh, look, I, I've got no doubt it's lagered for longer, but if you're going to say that, shouldn't you say how long it is? Otherwise, it's a meaningless statement. Um, it's a it's a better way. So the the all the work that we've done tells us it's a better way for the average beer consumer to understand that we take longer to brew, we take more time and more care to brew crown lager than we do anything else. So again, that's that's squarely aimed at the the, the punter on the street. Yeah, I, and guys, like, let's be honest, I, 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 crown I'm lager sorry, is far and away from not being a craft beer. I mean, you, the audiences here are, I think, slightly different. Well, again, I mean, I spend a lot of my time with the average punter doing introductory courses in uh, hotels, and I've never had anyone tell me, oh, it's the sixth, seventh, or eighth, what are the sixth, seventh, or eighth ingredient? Yeah. But I, I mean, I'll just give you an example. I've got the Crown Company website. When time is not your master, so we talk about the time, the finest barley, yeast, water, and pride of ringwood hops are matured with time under an extended lagering process. So... In past examples, including one that I mentioned, sugar was included in the uh, the, the list of ingredients. Um, so in the past, Crown has mentioned in its advertising that sugar was advertised in in the early you know twenty in, in the early twenties um, or the, the the first decade of this century. Sorry, did you say the early twenties? Um, that's dropped off. Oh, sorry, the early two thousands. Oh, right, um, it, it included sugar. You said the early twenties, mate. I thought, geez, that's yeah, no, no, sorry, <laughs> no, no. Um, um, but you know the, the, the finest barley, yeast, water, and pride of ringwood hops. Um, there, there is a fifth main ingredient, and there, there's a significant amount of cane sugar used in it. You know, is that wrong? Um, I, I'm, I'll ring guys tomorrow and ring you back. I will ring the brewers tomorrow and ring you back. I can't tell you whether it's significant. I can't tell you whether there's any in it. To hand, hand on my heart, okay. I just don't know. Um, and you know, 
an extended lagging process? How long do you have to reach? You know, look, I, I'm not, I don't mean to give you a hard time, but it no, is no. something that but, I, I mean. It's I clear, it's clear think, Matt. I'm not, well, I'm, we are never going to give you. I'm never well, going to. it's not clear because you won't you, tell us the time. But I'm never going to give you how my, my recipe for Crown Lager. I'm not going to tell you my brew it's process not a, a for recipe, Crown Lager. You've given me your recipe on the website. Vincent. No, I, I get that. No, the ingredients. It's, that's, it's that's, marketing. No, I'm not asking. I'm not asking whether you use. That's ingredients. That's not process. Ingredients is different, right? I can. Well, a recipe. The 11 herbs and spices for KFC. Does someone tell you what the 11 herbs and spices are? No, or but you've told me four of your or five or herbs and or spices. Or what proportions they put it in. Same principle, Matt. You, well, you, give, you give me four of the five. You're just, you're but just, you're just being provocative, that's all. No, well, no, I'm not at all. I'll go down to KFC tomorrow and ask them how long they cook their chicken for, and I'm sure they'll no, tell but they me. Won't, if they but won't they won't tell you the proportion. They won't tell you the proportion of the 11 herbs and spices. I'm not asking you the proportions. I'm asking you for how long. Well, it's the same thing, right? Look, how long we've well, no, it's how, not. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. You were asking about the sugar, Matt. That's it. There was the sugar. Well, yeah, look, I mean, I, I think there are two different aspects here. One of them is, you know, if, if you advertise the length of time and don't give any basis for comparison, then I, I think it's misleading. And look, I mean, we'll just have to agree to yeah. disagree on that. But, I, you know, I think that if you're going to shout it from the rooftops, you need to give people some basis for... Uh, judging whether it is an extended period of time or not. My, my view is both of those things are fundamental to the recipe that is Crown Lager, the brew spec that is Crown Lager, and, and you know, we're not going to publicly tell people So that. there's So the length of time in the barrel isn't an important Never touches part a barrel. of the... Uh, what's that? No, 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 for, for Crown Ambassador. Yep, absolutely. Tell, so, it's not in, so it's not an important part of the no, recipe how long it's been... That it goes in the barrel? Absolutely. The length of time it stays in there... Um, and all the mix of blending. I mean, they're very different propositions. About it. I don't know whether the, in my mind, sure, the two things. Again, two things you're sure different. about that? Do you want to go back to last year's, uh, last year's uh, Crown Ambassador Lager uh, media release said exactly how much time it spent in 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 months. So it may not have been to the minute, but yeah. it certainly nominated a length of time. I, I, I get it, Matt. But do you also get that the proposition of an ambassador that and and Pete came to the, the lunch last week. Is, I came down last year. Is a single batch brew that could change dramatically, vintage to vintage. It one year could have put in a barrel, one year might not be. It, it becomes really important that Tully Hadley or our master brewer really defines what the liquid is every year, and and every year we'll choose different things to tell people what have made up that particular vintage. Oh, I think that's a really different proposition than Crown Lager. And lager for longer. Right. But we're going to have to agree to disagree, aren't we? Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so, but are you going to start adding sugar to your uh, to to the ingredients that are on the website? Way too technical for a marketer, mate. You know that. I'm going to have to. I'll uh, I, again. I'll follow up with Brewer and I'll come back to you. But okay. Matt, aren't we aren't um, we supposed to suspend disbelief? A little bit like Macca's, for well, example, I, doesn't say two or three yeah, but patties, there's a special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onion, sesame seed bun, shitload of salt, some sugar, might make it fat. Like, they don't have to add You don't know what I mean? Like, oh, I know I'm exaggerating. The, the no, 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 look. But, and but you it, don't have to it, add it, every... And I see your point in terms of one should... No, 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 but, but, one but it, one if you cap it by saying... and. I mean, I don't know who Vincent's speaking to where they say, what are the fifth, sixth, the sixth, seventh and eighth ingredients? Because well, I, could, I can show you tapes. Or, well, I can't show you tapes because that's private information. But, but, but uh, you know, we've run, we've run qual groups of people who have articulated that word for word. 
you know, something so have I. And I've actually walked on the street and asked people if they can tell me, you know, I've done it because I don't just rail. I'm not, you know, I'm not that much of a loose cannon and I just rail. But, you know, it is something that I've focus group myself. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 if you nominate time as a fifth ingredient, that's the full stop in the sentence as far as everyone that I've spoken uh, to. But anyway, again, we'll, we'll have to dis- uh, agree to disagree. Um, but, you know, uh, it will be interesting to see how the uh, the advert- marketing campaign... I mean, we, we've already taken much more time than, uh, than I was expecting. Vincent, I, I, you know, I... I do appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, you, you, you knew you were going to get these questions, and uh, you, you came on anyway. So I, I do appreciate that, and uh, thank you very much for your time, um, Prof. Anything else that you wanted to ask? Yeah, I've just got to nick off for a sec because I've just got to tune up the guitar. We're all going to sit down um, around the campfire and, and sing, sing Kumbaya, Kumbaya. Now. Mate, okay. I just want a beer. We're going to leave. We're going to leave. Friends. Seven, and this time for a beer. And it's twenty like past seven at night. Yeah. <laughs> no, guys. Hey, I appreciate it the is. opportunity to come on. Uh, we can't say much. No, mate, in, in all seriousness, um, kudos to you for, for coming on because it's not the first time that we've... Um, and we, look, we've had uh, sent invites out to lots of people and some people just, for whatever reasons, don't feel comfortable or, or say, look, you know, you know, I don't know whether the boss would like it or whatever. Um, and for whatever reason, they've said, look, you know, politely decline um, or impolitely just not return our emails and, and you know, pretend we're not there when at, at functions when they see us um but so for you to come along <laughs> for you to come along and actually you know put them both on the line and, and you knew that you're gonna um you know be, be be treated as a friend but uh you know Jeez, if, if i'm one of matt's friends i hate to see what he's what his enemies are like <laughs> Gosh, oh, that, no, that, that's a little bit that's, that's no, a little bit harsh you know genuinely, no, no, genuinely no, no. a pleasure <laughs> genuinely a pleasure to be invited on and you know if what whatever you know, I sort of figure it's our responsibility as as um, custodians of category that you know anything we can do to to promote people thinking, talking, drinking beer um, right across our portfolio, then um, it's our responsibility to do that. So I do. I appreciate the opportunity, and you know, hopefully, um, it doesn't. I don't sound like too much of a. Uh, I've answered the questions appropriately for all your uh, wonderful listeners. Oh no! You, 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 you've put yourself uh, out there to answer the questions, and you know uh, that—that's all we can ask. And uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you doing that. And so, the, the thing that I want to ask all your punters out there, to when they listen to this, that when they walk into a uh, place and they see Crown Draft, the Crown Lager Draft on, their expectation is that they get it in um, a very special glass served with 30 mil ahead, the greatest head of beer you'll ever see, served on a coaster. And if they're not complaining about it. Because we, we'll we need our, we need we need punters to be our our policemen out there, making sure that we raise the standards of uh, beer delivery service um, all around the country. Can we accept to expect to see a, a beer pouring competition uh, like some of the other international oh, brands? Nothing, nothing in the uh, nothing in the nothing uh, in the works in the wings at the moment. To be honest, I'll tell you what I did see this week. I saw something come from our um, our Dutch colleagues. You'll like this one, Matt. Our Dutch colleagues on Grolsch, and they're having a uh, Open the swing top competition in, uh, globally, which is an interesting thought. You know the swing top bottle on the Grolsch? Mm-hmm. Quite a unique style. Had to open that. So, um, but no, can, not at I the moment. I can see that going really well at say up up at uh, surfers at, around schoolies. I can, I can, I can <laughs> yeah. you know, that might be um, only, only premium venue there, man. But, um, but no, no, no but, nothing, uh, nothing in the wings at this point. Yeah, way. that's it. Hey, listen, just okay. I can see, I can see the t-shirts though for the um, for the the Crown Lager on tap. 
froth cops. Yeah. <laughs> no t-shirts here, just it's just, it's just right uh, lovely black pleated shirts, mate. No, uh, no, no rubbish, no rubbish, <laughs> no no rubby t-shirts. All right. So, Vincent, we'll let you go, but look, we're really excited to hear, uh, to, to see what comes with the uh, Cascade and Matilda Bay, um, because, you know, I think you know that you'll have sort of no guys shouting uh, louder or longer um, for, for great beer than uh, Pete and I. Um, so, yeah, no, so please keep us, uh, you know, in, in mind when you've got something to announce for that. We'll do. Okay, good on you, Vincent. Wonderful, guys. Thanks a lot. So, um, Prof, what do you make of all of that? Look... Oh, it was a, was it a long um, interview? Did we seem to we we just we seemed to cover a lot? Yeah, it, it, but I thought I, it, it go it, go, it yeah, went there, for an hour. There were some who say, you know, I guess you know, elements of the of the chat went around in circles, and and at the end of the day, there's probably areas where probably I guess the three of us will all have differing opinions, and um, we're more than happy to allow each other to hold to those opinions without necessarily agreeing. To them or to all of all of the aspects of them, um, there is part of me, I guess, as a as a, a history buff, uh, beer history as well as regular history, that you know it, it's important to if you're going to I guess you know hang your credentials on 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 certain facts that they that they be correct. There's also I guess another side of me that that allows for the marketing to you know deviate from certain elements of accuracy. Good on your prop. I've got a couple of uh, fat Germans here aching to uh, get cracking, so we might uh, do not upset them. Chicken dance our way out of here. Um, always good to talk to you, prof. It's been um, good. Yeah, it'll be weeks, interesting to see what sort now. of uh, four, eps, four eps in a row. I know because this is coming. Well, out. we sort of missed last week, but we've been holding this one over because of the um. The, the, actually, we, we haven't even talked about the crown ambassador on. Oh, sorry, the crown lager at draft. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm pretty sure he. So we, we sort of held this over. Yeah, I think my question was answered. He won't be won't be bringing that out on tap. But the crown, yeah, crown lager on uh, on draft coming but soon. We'll be getting another one. Yeah, beautiful. Good to talk to you, Prof. Let's go. Speak to you soon. Cheers, everyone.